You're listening to Hotep-ish with your host, Dewan B. Intelligent-ish talk, intelligent shit talk, where we balance the profound with the profane. Political satire, celebrity and expert guests, information and entertainment, conversation and solutions. Leave your feelings at the door. T-shirts coming. I got some. Um, just get some some notes out the way. I got a, a, a few uh, specials coming. MLK week. I'm going to do a full. I don't know if it's gonna be a two-part or a three-part series on who the real Dr. King was. In the meantime, I'm gonna have some dope-ass Dr. King shirts. We're not gonna talk about Dr. King from. Oh, we want to get together and lock arms, old ass nigga. We're going to talk about the Dr. King after he met with Elijah Muhammad, February 1966, and how he changed and grew in to be black first. That's going to be our series on Dr. Martin Luther King coming up in a couple weeks. I see y'all like y'all. Y'all like this? We're about to, uh, we're about to break down a movie, Soul. I'm seeing people in the comments saying that they they want to see me do more breakdowns when I made the advertisement for this earlier. So yeah, I, if y'all want me to do more breakdowns and shit, I'll break it down. I'll break it down. In the meantime, go and get your t-shirts at hotelpitch.com slash apparel. We're going to talk about this movie uh, Soul in a little bit. I just want y'all to keep coming up in here. Can, can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. What's up from Detroit? Okay, y'all can hear me? All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, we gonna get into it. We gonna get into it. We gonna talk about this movie, Soul. 
I liked it. So I like so. I like this movie. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. If you hear, if you think I'm gonna be here to sit down and just cut away and criticize everything I didn't like the movie, about the movie, you're at the wrong place. Yes, there are certain things I did not like imagery-wise, but hey, look. Anytime Disney is funding something you know good in the hell well, it's going to be some level of fuckery. So it's like, hey, take the good with the bad. Walt Disney was allegedly, quote unquote, uh, uh, on, on, he liked them little boys. Walt Disney was a was a was a very was a stomp. He was a racist for even 1950 standards. We know all that. We know all that. But look. Sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you got to take the, the messages in it. You can't get all up into that sometimes. Sometimes you just got to take what you can get. And uh, one thing I will say is movies, especially in these cartoons, these ch- children's movies, they hide a lot of messages in these movies. These, mess- these movies are full of messages, full of old stories, old ancient wisdom current wisdom and this movie soul is no different yes Paris Whitehead there is some esoteric shit all up in this movie it's esoteric it's spiritual it's human down to the carnal level it's dealing with the balance of life between what's in our head and how we live our life man this movie got so much game in it what's up Tasha happy new year What's up, old head deuce? Yeah. You right, Itchy and Scratchy. They mentioned all the chakras, man. Look, this movie is deep. And it's a lot of game in it. And so, on this broadcast, we're going to talk about the game in the movie, a lot of the information. But we also going to just flat out talk some music, jazz, you know, movies, and how, how our music works. But before we get started, I want y'all to share and like. Please, please share the video. Share, 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 and like. We have 44 watching and 20 likes. If it's 44 watching, we should have 44 likes. And then, but keep sharing, because, you know, as my as these uh, shows go, they get more and more people as we keep going. All right, let's, 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 let's. Paris White here said, you've been listening to a lot of funk lately? Yeah, listen to it. We don't get in talking about that, too. I'm going to get in talking about jazz and then funk music and how funk has been overlooked because funk is so hard to play it's so it's so easy yet so hard it's like only for the most part black americans can play it yeah you have a few of them others from time to time you get your tina marines here and there you know you get your you know you get some soulful funky like what's the name the drummer from rufus and shaka khan he white you know what I mean? Average white band, Tower of Power. You get some others from time to time that can play a little bit of the funk. But the funk is black American music. But we that's going to be a little later on after I finish breaking the movie down. We're going to talk a little bit of the difference between jazz and funk and where they overlap and how black music is American music and how it can sometimes be be, be, be replicated. They, they can sometimes copy it, but they can never do it like we do it. They can never do it like we do it. Yes, this movie, uh, Anthony Bolton, is good. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. 
So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let me go to my notes here because I wrote some things down that I really liked about this movie and wanted to point out. Okay, let's start off talking about how the movie started. If you if you haven't seen the movie, um, there will be spoilers. I'll try my best not to be like talk direct scenes. If you haven't seen it, I'm just gonna basically talk in generalities. Um, so I don't think I'm gonna take away from your experience experience seeing the movie if you haven't seen it. I'll try my best not to, um, but at the same time, I want to, you know, get into some details for those who have seen the movie, because a lot of people have seen it, it's been out for uh, over a week, you can't wait forever to talk about things like this, so let's get into it, um, you know, when a movie starts out, he's a, he's a teacher, he, he just gets some good news, um, first of all, let's, before I keep saying all these he's and these, let's, let's get familiar with who the characters are first. Let's get familiar with the characters first. Lay some groundwork here before I get to run out of my mouth. Um, uh, it's starring Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is playing Joe. Uh, Joe was a jazz musician, teacher, kind of like not living the life he wanted to live. Sort of a mundane existence. Something that a lot of us can uh, can all can all he's familiar with a lot of us you know either if not currently at some point in our life live somewhat of a mundane existence um, until he found his spark uh, so it's played by Jamie Foxx um, Esther Che as a uh, Miho uh, she was cool she was cool you know what I mean it goes back going back into the imagery just me personally, ain't nothing doper than like can nobody play the bass like black folks. Like uh, I, I'd rather have seen somebody like Marcus Miller play that part. But you know, she did a dope job. She did a dope job. Um, we had Questlove on the drums as Curly. Um, he played one of Joe's uh, former students that got him to hook up with a job of a lifetime. And then we had the wonderful Glorious. Beautiful Queen Angela Bassett playing Dorothea. Uh, so I'm gonna start off by saying, you know, when it came down to the music side of the game and uh, the essence of it, they they had straight up three out of four foundational Black Americans playing that part, and I love that because jazz is our music, and I'm personally selfish. I don't like anybody playing our shit because guess what? Whenever you're talking about some other group's form of music, we don't get to play their shit. Never. They don't even allow black people to play country artists, and we invented this shit. <laughs> You'll never see a black person put into a movie about bluegrass, and we invented that too. But since those forms of music have been successfully co-opted, they'll never let us back in the door. So I'm not a big fan of allowing everybody up in our shit either. You know what I mean? If it's our music, I want our artists playing it. Period. And I don't hold any apologies to anybody that got a problem with that. Fix your culture first before you come talking shit about how I want mine represented. You feel me? Um, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and set this up like this. So that's what I want to start off by saying I love this movie. Um, great cast. Um, everyone played their roles with dignity. Um, 
Yeah, so let's let's start off by saying that. So Jamie Foxx uh, played Joe, and Joe was basically a dude sort of just running around, you know, working jobs, getting you know his his gigs here and there, trying to try to trying to be a struggling musician. And those of us who are comedians in the room, artists, we know what that's like to just be playing and playing and playing, working these jobs, and then it highlighted. Uh, between Joe and his mom, they highlight the dynamic that most artists have to deal with. You know, you have a dream in your mind, but oftentimes it's your own parents, your own family, those closest to you telling you to wake up and go get a regular job and forget your dreams. So I thought that that was very significant that they uh, let that theme play out because it's a theme that all artists have had to deal with. And for those of you who aren't artists, it's, it's, you guys need to be a little bit more sensitive to the artists in your family. You know what I mean? You see someone out there struggling. You don't, you don't get good at your craft and take off overnight. Oftentimes, you don't take off until 10, 15, 20 years after you've already been good and great. But you got to keep going because one thing about an artist is the art inside of you never dies. It never dies. You can ignore it, you can act like it's not there, but it's always gonna be there. So for people out there, if you have an artist in your life and you think you're talking sense into them, you ain't doing nothing but cutting away at their soul. If you're that person telling them what they don't see and what don't exist and what's not there. So have a little, have a little humanity, have your little patience. Um, never, never, never forget your dreams. You got to, you got to, your, them dreams are always going to be there. And so in the movie, you got to see him continue to work his dreams, even down to the point to where when he was offered the full-time job, he was happy, but he could tell he was still kind of like, you know, you, there was a little bit of hesitancy. There was a little bit of a hesitancy there. Like, I know moms is going to be happy, but shit, I'm trying to be a jazz musician, man. Damn all this day-to-day monotonous, mundane, working the job shit. I want to be goddamn, you know, the greatest. And so, so, yeah, YouTube don't be sending out my, uh, yeah, my notifications, Travion, but that's why I need you guys to share and share the video. Uh, but thank you for that. I appreciate the information. Um, so yeah, that was a thing going on with, with Joe. Um, so I want to, you know, for everybody out there, for those of you who have dreams, this is a two-pronged thing. One, for those of you who don't have a dream, let the people who do have a dream exist. And two, for those of you who do have a dream, you got to spend your life pursuing that. It's a lot of people who just have the dreams of being uh, something and they just sit around and talk about it all day, get high on endorphins and get, get high in their mind, like what talking about what they going to do, what they going to do. There's too many what I would do ass niggas walking around here. Let me say that again. There are too many I'm going to do one day ass niggas walking around planet Earth. Um, you got to get up and do it. And as you go ahead and watch the movie, it, it talks about that. It talks about fear. It talks about fear being a lot of the things, being the, basically the primary thing uh, stopping us from doing that. 
And that's who we get to when we get to um, number 22. Um, I'm going to talk about 22 in a little bit. Let me see. So, it was very interesting, um, the pairing, how they had, you know, Eddie Murphy. And I keep saying Eddie Murphy. How they had uh, Joe, a.k.a. Jamie Foxx, with soul number 22. Um, it's funny because I'm, I was laughing at the reason at the, at, the, at, the, at the choice of the number 22 because 22 is 22 is a mass is a, is, a, is a number. Um, how can I say this? I'm trying hold on. I'm trying to do two goddamn things at once. That's why I'm over here. This damn thing. I'm over here trying to put a picture of 22 up. What the hell is going on, Ecam? Hold on one second. I'm trying to get a picture up at number 22 for y'all. There we go. Nope. I may have too many pictures in here already. Hold on. I'll try it again. Nope, it's not letting me upload many more pictures. I guess I have too many pictures uploaded up in here. Whatever. Um. I thought it was interesting that they used the number 22 because the number 22 um, is an interesting number uh, as far as numerology goes. I don't know if, if you're into numerology or if you aren't, we might get a lesson in numerology. Well, not a real lesson. I'm just going to tell you a little bit. 22 in numerology is a number of potential more so than prophecy because when you get to dealing with numbers and numerology, uh, your consecutive like number one, number eleven is a master number. Um, and and when you get to your multiples, 11, 22, 33, 44, those are all numbers of either mastery or potential mastery. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they used number twenty-two because twenty-two, if it appears in your numerology in your numerology chart, it's a number of a uh, cosmic wisdom. Um, you can turn incredible dreams into reality. Um, it's a number in the biggest thing with 22 is the potential because soul number 22 was all potential. 22 was somebody who didn't want to come down to earth. 22 had, you know, 22 knew it all. We all know that know it all. We know, we all know that person that that you know they they can tell you everything about everything but they can't tell you nothing about any goddamn thing that they've ever experienced <laughs> y'all know who i'm talking about that one cousin that can tell you all about bitcoin and stocks nigga get, if you don't sit your bitcoin ass out of here nigga <laughs> you still driving that 77 cadillac tell, trying to tell me about bitcoin we all know that person. That's who 22 was. 22 was afraid to come. Uh, and another thing I thought that was uh, that was interesting was, you know, they're talking about the great before and how the great before represents um, sort of how, how life is before we come here. A lot of the ancient wisdom, a lot of the ancient belief says, uh, they've all stated that whether you're talking about, you know, the ancient beliefs in Native America and the Hindu religions and the Buddhism and 
the African religions, everything except for damn Christianity and the, the so-called three Abrahamic religions. They all talk about us all having a choice in how we come here and, and coming here and choosing to come and experience this thing we call life on earth. Um, 22 didn't want to go through that because 22 had no confidence in herself to, to, to be that, to actually do it. That's just like a lot of people that run around, like I said, talking about Bitcoin, talking about their retirement funds, and talking about how they, how you need to open up an LLC. But you ain't got an LLC, Uncle John. You, nigga, you've been working for the county for 20 years telling people they need to start a business. If you don't sit your knucklehead ass down, We all know who 22 is. We all know that person in our lives. Very interesting um, that they that they had that 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 part up in there. Another thing that was interesting about the movie is you saw a lot of blue, you saw a lot of purple. A lot of blue and a lot of purple. Lots of blue and lots of purple. Especially um, when he was trying to get out of the um, the matrix. I mean, get, he kept running into a purple wall when he's trying to get out of the out of the thing and then um and he kept running into purple um purple is a, a color of creativity of wisdom peace um purple is uh, associated with spirituality and the sacred higher self the the passion third eye the fulfillment vitality so it's, it's crazy that you know, when I, when I kept seeing, they, they kept showing all the, the colors of the chakra, uh, the little red ball um, in different scenes, the yellow. They had the different colors, all the colors uh, the chakras re represented. But the two that, that they had most was blue and purple. And I thought that that was very uh, interesting because purple is a color that helps align oneself with the whole universe. Um, that's why Prince wore purple. Prince, because Prince is all, uh, purple is also uh, the color of extravagance and wealth and um, dignity and grandeur. Um, that's why Prince was huge on that color purple. He called himself the purple man because he was in alignment with all of the things that the color of purple represented. And when you're dealing with anything create creatively, you're going to see a lot of purple. You also saw a lot of blue. Blue spaces represent freedom, intuition, imagination, expansiveness, inspiration, and sensitivity. Um, Joe was very sensitive. Um, he, he couldn't find his inspiration, but, but the whole time he, he realized that he was his own inspiration. So if you notice, he was blue the whole time, so was 22. Um, blue also is a color of trust, loyalty, and sincerity. Um, Joe was a very sincere person. He was very loyal and trustworthy, um, stable, and um, intelligent. I just, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, very interesting that they kept a lot of the colors between blue and purple because the underlying theme of this movie was a lot of blue and purple vibrations. Lots of blue and purple vibrations uh, to this movie. I'll thank you on the cash app, Chuby. I appreciate that for sending 
some dollars on the cash app. You know we put everything back into what we do here. I appreciate those of you who do hit the cash app. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, if you notice, like, whenever Joe would be playing the piano, he would go into that purple and blue world, that trance. And anybody who's ever done anything you really love, you know about that trance, that zone. When you hooping and you can't miss a shot, step back three, net on your ass. You know, you you you, you people who draw, who in the art, you know that 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 meditative state that you can go into, and then you look up eleven hours in class. Uh, it's crazy because one of the themes of this movie, when the same people who were in that 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 trance, were the same people who were also there next to the people who are totally obsessed. And that 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 totally obsessed world is right there with the trance uh, and flow world. It was talking about how like they're basically two two sides of the same coin. There's a very thin line between being in a zone and being totally obsessed to where you're disconnected from life. That's true with a lot of us who when we get on the social media. Ain't nothing wrong with social media, but shit. Sometimes you can get in the trance with this shit. And you totally missing the world around you. And you know, that that that's just as dangerous as basically not being here at all. You know, uh, I thought that was I thought I thought I thought that was deep. I thought that was real deep. I thought that that was real deep that they were pointing that out. Um, because that is that's that's very true. Um, you know, it's like like John Coltrane. John Coltrane was the greatest saxophonist, probably the greatest musician we've ever had. And he 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 had this uh his when you listen to his stuff, especially after he got kicked out of Miles Davis Quartet. If you don't know who John Coltrane is, look him up. John Coltrane was a saxophonist. Um one of probably the greatest ever on that saxophone. He did things he uh with jazz, with music. He bent the rules of music. And he, when you go into his late last couple years playing, he brought in um, a sound of jazz that's, that's called the avant-garde style of jazz. Um, he, it was where it was like his music became, you know, spiritual in that uh, avant-garde area, era. Um, it was sometimes out of tune, it was loud, it would get quiet, it would get frantic and crazy. Um, but he got there because early in his life, John Coltrane was somebody who was a drug addict. He was hella into drugs. He, and, and not only was he hella into drugs, he was hella obsessed with his saxophone. They said John Coltrane used to practice sometimes upwards of 17 hours a day on days that he wasn't having gigs. John Coltrane used to sleep with his saxophone. Um, he had gotten to the point to where it, it had become an obsession. But then around 1965, he, uh, he cleaned up. He got the drugs out of his life. Um, he, he lived a clean life. And it's like, according to himself, it's like, he started to get like this, this sort of a, sort of a cosmic revelation 
you can say. Um, and he really changed how music was played. And I thought that I was thinking about John Coltrane when I was watching this movie about you know the balancing the line between obsession, passion, and obsession and passion. The line between loving what you do and it, you getting so into what you do, you lose yourself. Um, you know, it, it, we all have that in, in some kind of way. We get the, to these spaces in our lives to where we get so obsessed with something, we lose our sense of reality. Um, I thought this movie did a good job of pointing that out. Um, you're right, Lady Hotep. You can you can be playing your instrument of choice and hit that flow. I've 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 had that um, on the drums. It's 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 a feeling, man. When you get that feeling and you just kind of float, you just float, and you can literally float for hours at a time and, and not know it. I, admittedly, it's it's been harder to get in that flow since social media is being the way it is because you're getting that flow. And then go to check your notifications and get and fuck the whole flow up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a church up in San Francisco, San Francisco made John Coltrane a saint. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I'm not against that at all. <laughs> I might want to go to that church. Shit. <laughs> Shit. But yeah. Yeah, distractions take you out of the flow, Try Hippie. You're right about that. Distractions do take you out of the flow. And that's where sometimes that ba- this balance with social media, sometimes, like, you just got to leave a phone in the car because if it's just close, you be flowing on something. But if that, if that phone is in hand's reach, you got to get to it. Y'all know how that go. Another thing that this movie uh, was pointing out, you know, it was Joe's job to, to help. It was the mentor's job to help find the spark. Meanwhile, Joe thought his spark, thought jazz was life and not just a spark. It was a, they showed the balance between spark and sustained bliss and life. Oftentimes we conflate, and I've done this shit a lot. I, I, I think that this is what this is a lesson I learned in this movie. It's gonna help course correct some of the things that I do personally. Sometimes, like me personally, you get sparked, confused with purpose. The thing, if you notice, like towards the end of the movie when they were talking about the when he was seeing the leaves fall eating the pizza. Life is about your experiences. Life is about how do you take in what you're doing and totally experiences. Because really the only thing we have in this life is experiences. That gets confused with spark. Because like for me, I know my sparks are music, talking shit, you know, those those things are my sparks. I have a few other sparks. But sometimes you get it confused with all of life. And you become, you, you make the spark 
your life, not understanding that spark is just what you do to to to, to flow to maybe make the income it takes to live your life. But life is the five senses. Because if you notice, when he first got when they when they switched bodies, he couldn't touch the elevator. They were talking to you and they were illustrating how important touch is. When 22 Soul was in Joe, he couldn't use his hands, couldn't stand up. That sense of touch, that sense of stability wasn't there. That's life. Like when they were talking about the pizza. Homie, like when they was eating them and when they was up in the little heaven land, they was eating the pizza and shitting it right out. Because they couldn't taste, couldn't do none of that stuff. But the minute Joe got a chance to eat that pizza for the first time and experience or 22 through Joe, the minute they got to eat that pizza for the first time and experience it, you saw how things slowed down. Smell. Uh, there was a scene when they, when they were touching the elevator, you heard 22 through Joe's body kind of smell the cat's ass. That was 22's first time ever experiencing smell. Sound. When they went through the elevator, all this all went through. That, that 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 cluster of scenes when 22 got into Joe's body. 22 really got to hear and experience the music for the first time through Joe's body. So he left the bagel in, in, in he didn't have any money so he left the bagel in, in the cakes. And what that to me what that represented was yes even though you may not have cash money it's still great to give what you do have because through giving what you do have you create a current. That's why they call money currency. You, the more you you circulate it, the more it comes back to you. That's a principle of life. Read the movie, rich, read the book, Richest Man in Babylon. Oftentimes, we as a people, we get look, we get our money and we hoard it. And when we hoard it, they end up spending it on a bunch of wrong bullshit and end up broke right back again, living paycheck to paycheck anyway. Um. So yeah, I thought that that represented circulation. Um, they heard that sound and then vision um when, when when 22 through joe's body saw the leaves floating down and picked up a leaf and got to really see people acting the movie was really saying the experience of life is experienced through our five senses that's living living is experiencing this world through our five senses. When you get, it's like, you know, I'm a spiritual person. It's not people out there that are spiritual people. But the downside to a lot of spiritual people is, hey, look, motherfucker, we live on earth. <laughs> Spirituality's cool, but, you know, and it's good. We need it, you know, to get through this life. But at the end of the day, we still living life down here. We ain't living life up in the ethers. We ain't living life in, in, in uh, up there where the souls are, where the spirits are. We live in life on this carnal plane called Earth. And while we're here, we're here for a brief moment. We chose to come here. At some point, we're going to leave this motherfucker. In the meantime, while we're here, we have the things that the spiritual realm, realm don't have. They don't have taste. It doesn't have touch, smell, sound. But they have sound. But and they have vision, but they don't have the experience of sound and vision. They see it, but they don't experience it. You saw that when 22 was saying that she's been down to earth plenty of times. She knows what it's like. That's why she doesn't want to come here. But the minute she got to experience this plane for the first time, she got to then experience what sound does to you. 
experience what smell does to you. Vision, smell, and touch. So uh, to me, I took that as while we're here on this earth plane, you know, light your incense, burn your sage, do all the spiritual work you can do. But in the, while you're doing all that ethereal spiritual shit, get down and enjoy what we have available to us while we are here. Enjoy the world around us. That's what we have vision for. Go out. Leave the fucking city and drive in nature for a little bit. Smelling trees. That's why you see any time I be... Most time I go on vacation, I go somewhere where nature... I'm either in nature or nature ain't too far away. Because I'm an L.A. cat, but damn it, ain't nothing better than walking up to a waterfall, smelling the dirt, smelling the trees, smelling the eucalyptus, hearing the sound of the water falling, the quietness, nature, birds chirping. Hell, sometimes you might even smell some bear piss on one of them tree stumps. That's some dope shit. But you got, with black people, we are a people of nature. We've been forced and herded into these cities just over the last hundred years. You got to earth. You got to ground. You got to take your goddamn shoes off. I live in a city, but God damn it, what's well, kind of cold now. But I still try to do it. But especially when it's warm, I take my socks off and go and stand on my grass for about 10 minutes, five minutes. Connect to earth. Barefoot. Some of you niggas live in the projects. Watch out. You don't want y'all stepping on no glass bottles, but... You know, do it the best way you can. Go to the park. Man, like, go to the beach. Go, you know, if you live if you live near water, go to the beach. If you don't live, if you go, if you don't live near the ocean, go to a lake. You know, one, one of the best ways for me to grow, I remember when I was going through depression real heavy. And when I when I got myself out of depression, and one, one of the tools that I use when I teach others on how to get out of depression. One of the best things you can do when you're depressed is to ground. Feel. Rub your hands. Just sometimes like when you're feeling very anxious and you're at that point to where your anxiety's on a 10, you're worried about bills, you're worried about where your kids are, you're worried about all these things you can't control. Sometimes you just gotta just hold your own hand. Put your right hand over your heart. Skin to skin. Go somewhere, you put your hand and put it over your heart and breathe slow. Feel your heart. Feel your skin. Breathe. Seven seconds in. Seven seconds out. And keep doing it until you start feeling better. Guarantee goddamn to you, it's only going to be a couple minutes before you back to feeling right and feeling good. I know this because I've worked with plenty of children who the system wanted to throw on these antidepressants, throw on all these pills. I teach them these techniques. All of a sudden, they ain't got to take these these drugs that ain't that, that kids shouldn't be taking anyway. I know it works because I've done it on myself. You got to, yeah, you got you to touch yourself. 
That don't just mean some freaky shit for you gutter-minded motherfuckers. These things work. These things work. You know, me personally, I'm into crystals. I love my crystals. I personally recommend if you if you if you're tight, if you if you're kind of out there, you need some grounding. Get yourself some kyanite, blue kyanite. Get some black kyanite. Get a grounding stone. Your black stones are grounding. Whether you're talking about, um, you can get yourself some onyx. You can get yourself uh, um, t- black tourmaline. These things help bring you back to you to who you are. Yes, crystals have vibrations. I'm in the crystals. Any goddamn thing that's been in Earth for a billion years that's made up of the same materials your body is made up with has information. Nature. Nature. Nature's beautiful. Yep, Miss Portia, that, 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 that black terminally, remove all that negative energy. Yep. And, and, and I see sacred geometry, right? I see people in here cracking jokes. Y'all just gotta know I'm not. I'm not acknowledging the jokes one because they're not funny. You know, if you want the joke acknowledged, you gotta be funny. Two, there's a time and place for everything. There is a time and place for everything, and I like to crack jokes, but this shit is information. This this is time we over here talking that real shit right now. And sometimes the, the gut is a good place to have your mind when, you, when you're about to have sex and it's a woman in the room with you. But if you're a grown-ass man listening to a grown-ass man, your mind should not be in the gutter right now. Please, I hope my voice ain't turning you niggas on. Yo, nigga, your mind, you should, no, hell no, don't be, don't have your mind in the gutter listening to a grown-ass man if you're another man. That shit weak. <laughs> Jeez. That's the thing, man. Hey, man. I'm not with that. I don't, I don't make me feel comfortable. I'm, we over here talking about a movie soul. It ain't nothing but my voice. And you talking about, you know, touching it. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's focus, fellas. Focus. Focus. We'll be on Craig Facts on Tuesday for the jokes. But there was... There was something else in the movie that I wanted to point out before we get in and talking about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna talk about these last few things about the theme of the movie. Then we're gonna open it up. I'm gonna listen to some of y'all questions. We're gonna talk about jazz. We're gonna talk about music in general and what that means to us as black people. But I got a couple more things I want to hit on in the movie. Then we're gonna jump to that. When, when, um, when Joe had his concert, he had his experience. He got to experience what it was like to, to go into the zone, be in that bliss on, on stage, playing for one of the top jazz acts ever, according to the movie. And then when it was over, he, for the most part, felt empty. There was like an emptiness that he felt 
And I get it. Because in life, people go through, you, 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 you say all these things you want, you accomplish all these things you've been saying you want to do, you finally get there, and it's like, <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Because I remember how it was, like, I remember when I first started doing stand-up comedy. You know, everybody wants to do the Laugh Factory. Everybody wants to do the, the improv and the big major comedy clubs here in L.A. And then it's like you get to a point and you do them. You, you, you hit all the big clubs, you make people laugh, you get on stage and you smash. And then you realize that was it. And that feeling right there is what leads a lot of musicians, a lot of artists down that path of drugs. Put all that energy, all of that effort, all of that focus into a moment. And then the moment's done. And you come back tomorrow and do it again. That was some deep shit. That was some deep shit. Because that's true. You know, you do all these different things in life. You get your I remember one of the worst days of my life. I say this all the time, one of the most one of the most depressed days of my life was the day I graduated college. My college graduation. Cal State Northridge, class of 2005. Juan Brown. Come across. You, you get to this, you get there, you've been working, been in school since 99. It took me six years to graduate. Because I not only did I go to school, but I shit. Back then, I used to be in a club partying two or three nights a week. And then I was I played the drums in two different bands. So if I wasn't in a club partying, I was in a club on the drums, played the drums at church still. So every Sunday morning I'm on the drums. The Sunday night I'm in a club playing the drums. Played basketball, I used to hoop, and I coached. And I worked at the bank. I worked at, uh, people know me from back in the day, knew I worked at the Washington Mutual Bank in Inglewood. So part-time, so I would work, went to school, played the drums, busy as hell. But I was determined to graduate college. And six and a half years, I did. Graduated college. Sitting there, they calling people's names. Calling all these names. And Dewan Brown, come across the stage. I get my degree. And I look up, I see my mom happy. And the only thing that made me happy was my girlfriend at the time, she's my wife now. She was sitting in the stage on the stands next to my parents. And I signaled to them, let's go. And they were looking like, what the fuck is this nigga doing? He's graduated college. What are you doing? Let's go. And I left. 
And I, I got off stage, got my degree, not, not my degree, but no, the, my bullshit ass piece of paper, kept walking to my car. I didn't even stay for my graduation. I remember feeling so angry. Like I was angry, I was sad, I was happy. I was satisfied, I was dissatisfied. I was experiencing all the feelings that Gemini can feel at one time. And you know, us Geminis, we can feel a whole bunch of shit at once because we are at least two different peoples at all times. But that's another subject. I was so, I don't know, I, I, unfulfilled. And then I realized, you put in all that work, You've been saying your whole life since elementary school, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna get a degree, I'm gonna make something of myself. And then you get that degree, and it's like. Nigga, you feel like you did not win the car on the price is right. Nigga, did I just lose Plinko? Did I just put all my discs in Plinko? You got, I get the 5,000, I get the 2,500. Nigga, I dropped my little disc and that shit hit the zero. That's how I felt when I graduated college. Unfulfilled. Because in America, in life, they teach us life is about getting things. They teach us life is about getting these cars or getting that degree, or getting that job, or being famous. And then you get it, and then you realize, man, that ain't shit. And it hurts. It really hurts. Because you've been misled into thinking that all these external things are going to give you the gratification in which you desire. I'm glad I got to speak to you, Holden. Yeah, you in exact position. You graduated in December. You don't feel nothing because we, they teach us in life, life is about all these external things. One thing this movie teaches us and reminds us of is that life is about what's on the inside. Life is about our experiences. Life is, is about us using growing thing. I'm not not against getting a degree. I'm not against getting an education. But you have make sure that degree and education has a perspective. That it's a it's a key piece along the journey, a path that you've chosen for yourself. And if you see it that way, you can then experience the fulfillment of your work, hard work, dedication, and effort that you put in by getting that degree. If you understand that life See, you saw towards the end of the movie, Joe realized that life wasn't the performance. Life was each time he taught a child and that child felt a spark. Each time he was going through his life, each time he was going through all these different experiences and he got to see life wasn't the moment of the show. Life was all of the experiences it took to get to that moment. And as life moves forward, life is those moments 
being made every day of our life. Every day we wake up, there's a moment in life to be had, to be seized upon, to be captured, to be proud of, to be experienced. My wife helped me out a lot with that because I was always one of them move fast, just get it done, get out the way. Ass niggas, especially in my 20s, man. I would, I missed so much in my 20s just trying to make it to the next thing and not sitting down and experiencing things. You know, I remember in my 20s, I'm thinking, shit, I wish Instagram was around on in my 20s because shit in my 20s goddamn i mean i tell you i was at every party you wanted to be at rubbing elbows with any famous person that you know i I once smoked cigars with michael jordan i don't even tell these stories because it was so regular for me because i was always into something but for me it was i was always thinking about the next thing thinking about the next thing thinking about the next thing I never take, I never really, at the time, I have since then, but back then in, during my 20s, early 30s, I never took time to sit down and take a deep breath and experience what I was going through. Like I was, if y'all ever see that story, look it up on YouTube, uh, that rapper Chameleonaire. Chameleonaire is talking about the time Michael Jordan cussed him out. I was standing 10 feet from the motherfuckers when it happened. (laughs) The millionaire went up to Michael Jordan. He was like, hey man, can you can you sign my jersey? And I had just seen him buy the 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 Michael win the Michael Jordan jersey at an auction at a pool tournament, maybe a couple hours before this whole thing. He, He dropped a few racks on that jersey. He went to Michael Jordan and was like, can you sign it? Michael Jordan looked at Paul Pierce and was like, man, who is this nigga? <laughs> Comedian that looked so dejected. Michael Jordan said, get this nigga away from me. I ain't signing that shit. <laughs> that shit was funny as hell. But yeah, like, I was, those kind of experiences were regular, but that was one of the... The only reason why I even remembered that experience is because I saw Chameleonaire put the video up about it about a year or two later. I had totally forgotten I had even experienced And then you realize at some point, Pam, it's not about going to the hottest parties, going to the hottest events. I, you know, I played the drums in front of thousands of people. I've made people laugh comedy thousands of people at a time but ain't none of that shit if you don't experience it you got to experience everything you do you gotta take a moment and just really take a deep breath and relax and be in the moment Because that's what's going to stick with you through the rest of your life. When life is over, when you end up in a situation like Joe, like we all going to end up like Joe, we all going to go to the upper room. Y'all saw that movie Life. <laughs> Shout out to Eddie Murphy. We all going to go to the upper room. 
And when we go to that upper room, what are we going to feel? All of us have experienced a lot of dope shit. I tell you right now, out of all the dope shit I've experienced, the biggest experiences I have now is just waking up. Every like having a wife I can wake up to. When I wake up, she looking back at me, smiling. Man, that shit feels so goddamn good. It feels good, and I can experience that now because over the years, she's someone that helped me grow into someone that could experience these things. You know, we got to know how to experience these things. We that's life. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of deep stuff in this movie that's reminding us what it is. So, you know, in the morning, they say the COVID, I'm reading a lot of reports that say 80% of the people with the COVID have a vitamin D deficiency. Well, vitamin D is the sun. I ain't talking as no health experts. Y'all know how fat I am. But here's another thing. I'm one of the niggas that don't give a fuck. I experience this fatness in totality. I love it. And when I, whether I gain weight or whether I lose weight, I'm in love with myself. And people can say whatever they want. I know a lot of people, they got all the boxes checked off. They look a certain way. They got the size they want to be. They drive the car they want to drive and they still fucking miserable. Why? Because they're always looking at what somebody else got, what somebody else thinks, how somebody else sees them. What somebody else is doing. God damn it. Fuck other people. I said it. Fuck these motherfuckers, man. You better love yourself. And if it's something about yourself that you don't like, love yourself into that change. You can say, you know what? Yes, I'm this way and I'm cool, but I prefer doing that and being that way. I prefer looking that way. And then take the steps to do it. It's like, if you don't like it, be patient and loving enough with yourself to change it. And if you're not patient enough to change it, if you're not patient enough to love yourself through it, be patient enough to accept it and love it and love yourself as you are. You're right, Mike Larry. Happiness comes from within. Yes, Ash, I experience my fatness in totality. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I don't want to be no little bony nigga. You know how many bony motherfuckers is walking around here? Salute to you bony motherfuckers, but shit, y'all be getting picked on. Don't nobody fuck with me. <laughs> I'm not just fat. I'm fat and fleet of foot. I'm a fat quick nigga. I don't want to be a little skinny, Skinny jeans wearing ass, colored braids, dreadlocks ass, backpack wearing ass, nigga, fuck that. There's too many of y'all walking around. Everybody looking the same. Everybody want to be the same. I don't want to be like you niggas. 
But look, Granny said, I enjoy being 145. Well, look at here, goddammit. I ain't been 145 since elementary school, middle school, sometime around there. I was laughing at Craig the other day. Craig was talking about his weight. I was like, nigga, you, you, you currently my seventh grade weight. You don't sit your ass down. I was 310 in high school, and I still dunk on you too at 310 pounds. Don't fuck with me. Hell now, I'm at 340 right now. Let's get on that bike. Let's see who can go further. I ride my bike all the time. I'm up to 15 miles a day. Let's get on that bike. Let's go up and down some of these hills at your current weight and my current weight. And let's see, let's see who's still on that motherfucker in an hour and a half. I bet you. So yeah, you gotta love yourself. You gotta love your flaws. If you, look, my hairline started receding when I was 14. I didn't care, I cut that shit off and kept pushing. I ain't like brushing my hair anyway. I hate grooming myself. That's why y'all see me one day, I have a clean mustache and two days later I have a full on beard. I fucking hate grooming myself. I hate shaving. I love showering. I like, I, only thing I like doing every day is showering and brushing my teeth. But when it comes to all that primping, prepping, uh, you gotta, you gotta line your, line your mustache up. You gotta dress a certain. Fuck, I ain't got time for all that shit, man. Give me some sweats, a t-shirt, and a joint. And get the fuck out my way. That's how I get down. Nah, I ain't 250. Man, I ain't been 250 since. I remember I was 250 like in 11th. No, no, no. Ninth grade? Ninth grade? Ninth grade, I was 250. Oh, yeah, I was 250 back in ninth grade. Yep. Westchester High School basketball team. Yeah, man. But that's that's one thing this life, going back to this movie Soul, um, that we need to talk about. You know, um, you got to be okay with you. You got to love you. Earth and the Fire has a song on their album and we about now now we about to talk about a little bit of music um earth and fire has a song on their album that's the way of the world um what's it make the light shine all through your mind fill a little heart with glow take the time make up your mind it's all about love. It's a song called All About Love on Earth and the Fires. That's the way that world out. I want y'all to listen to that song. And listen to that song with your third eye. Earth and the Fire taught us the meaning of life in that music. And in that song, Maurice White is talking about you gotta love you. You gotta experience all the beautiful things around you, the trees and the birds. And if there ain't no beauty, you gotta make some beauty. Feel it. Feel it. Our feeling was real. Life is an illusion. The shit we see about us, all this shit is a past creations of someone's past thoughts. 
Someone thought of a house you're living in and they built it. Someone thought of that street light and they designed it. Someone thought of that car, someone thought of that pillow, piece of carpet, fan, computer you're on. Everything that we're experiencing that we're touching from our phones to our coffee mugs was once someone's thought that they brought into reality. So what does that tell you? The only thing that's real is our thoughts. Everything we see material is the past. You're right, Lady Hotep. Earth and the fire were truly on another level. What's up, Steve? Steve Henry in the chat room. Yeah. Steve is somebody who, speaking of, y'all see Steve's comment on there. Steve is somebody who helped me when it comes to living life. Steve has never, he, Steve hasn't taught me anything through his words on life. Well, he has taught me things through his words because he gets some great goddamn investment advice and stuff. But Steve has taught me through his experience. Steve is somebody I met when I first started comedy. Um, y'all follow him um, too because he has some Where Is Steve series coming out that's going to be dope as fuck when he finally releases it. Um, but Steve is someone I met early on in comedy. At the same time I met Larry, Big Ja, Teddy Ray, all those people that you know now, Craig Smith. Steve was a, Steve Henry in the chat room. He was around that whole class too. He was around then too. Um, but Steve is somebody who Man, that brother lives life. He went on a 48-state tour driving his car and created a website called Where Is Steve? And I lived vicariously through that trip. And I was, that Steve went on that trip at a time in my life when I was super depressed and not really doing much. You know what I mean? I was looking at where I, thinking about where I, where I thought I should have been in life, angry where I was, and living in a depression living off the future, living off the past, living off my anxiety. And so when I got to see Steve travel the world, I mean, not the world, he's done that shit too. But when I saw him going on his 48 state tour, driving his car, experiencing life, and then one day we talked to him, he was just like, yeah, man, you just gotta get out there on that road. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. I've been saying I'm gonna do this for a long time and he went up and did it. And that really helped me out at a very key point in my life. And I was like, you know what, man? I've been saying I'm going to do a lot of things. And I have done a lot, but I have not done nearly what I said I'm going to do. And I've been in a holding pattern, not doing a lot of things. So looking at Steve and living vicariously through what Steve was doing, I didn't hate on Steve. A lot of niggas had that same feeling and then hate on somebody. Man, he only able to do that because he got a good job. Man, he only able to do that because he did this. And you make up all kind of bullshit ass lies in your own fucking head, hating on somebody else because they and all they doing is living their own goddamn life instead of saying, okay, what are they doing to live their life that I'm not doing? And that's the question I ask myself. What is Steve doing that I'm not doing? I was like, shit. Man, Steve is just getting out there and doing it. And that helped me, and it helped me out a whole lot. It helped me out a whole lot. So I appreciate you, Steve Henry. I appreciate you. You're a brother that I learned from through your experiences. 
And the reason why I can now talk about a movie like like Soul and speak about it on the end of someone who's actually been doing the thing because you know a, a brother a brother like Steve helped me see that just through his own experiences. Um, and that's the thing about life. We we see other people doing things that inspire us. Take the inspiration out of what they're doing and apply it to your life. You do that instead of hating on somebody else, you're going to experience a dope, grand life. You're going to have a dope life We you learn to experience the things from other people that they're doing that you're uh, curious about. It can either become a curiosity that turns into a reality for you, or you can keep it at envy. Everything in life has a high vibration or a low vibration. Envy should only be for a moment. If you're envious of somebody, there's a, a, a hint of envy in and because all emo- emotions and everything have a place. If there's a hint of envy, a hint of jealousy, you can either stay envious or stay jealousy, or you can ask yourself, what can I get out of this? Why am I connected to this? What can I learn? What can I do? Don't hate on the next man. Create your own shit. Like the video. Please, please, please like the video. Share it and subscribe. We have... 124 watching and 112 likes. You're right, Try Hippie. Envy is a low frequency. Oh, we got Chuby and Steve up in here. Chuby and Steve. <laughs> Again, we all met at the same time. Chuby too. Chuby, you was there. Chuby was there since day one. Craig Smith, all those big, all the people y'all love down online. To hear more Tony Baker, all them guys. Yeah, Comedy Union, 2009. 2010, Sling Johnson, all of us, Larry, but yeah, the movie was deep, uh, G-Boo, that's a good comment, live your life to the fullest potential and capacity. Yes, but yeah, but back to the movie, um, back to music. Here's what I liked about, you know, when they were, when they were into the movie, um, you notice he kept going into his trance uh, when he was playing jazz, and that's what jazz is. Jazz, uh, if you, the part where he was talking to his dad, he, I said jazz is black improvisational music. That's exactly what jazz is, it's black improvisational music. Because before jazz, and I talked about this on my previous broadcast when I talked about music. Before jazz, you had a form of music called ragtime. Ragtime had a lot of the same elements of jazz, but everything was charted out and written. Look up a man named Scott Joplin. Scott Joplin was the biggest star, biggest music of, and we knew the turn. Back at the beginning of the turn of the 20th century, first decade of the 20th century, the biggest star in music was Scott Joplin with a form of music called ragtime. Ragtime was charted. It was put together. It was it was it was in order. And then in the late 1910s, early 1920s, a man by the name of they called him Satchmo, A.K.A. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong, Satchmo. <laughs> It just reminded me of uh, 
it just reminded me I was watching Trading Places yesterday at the end of the movie he was like looking good Lewis <laughs> but we had our man Satchmo Louis Armstrong he brought in the improvisation to ragtime and forever changed music and brought in a sound that we all now know is jazz meaning you have your formatted music that's, that's down now it's your turn to, to shine Take a solo. Thank you, New Orleans, for giving us Louis Armstrong and jazz. And when you look at hip hop, hip hop is the same thing. Hip hop is jazz without the instruments. They call it freestyling. Hip hop is also American improvisational music. You have your format of your song, you got your bridge, you got the hook, but then you get to the freestyle. That's jazz, that's soul music in its essence. The ability to play what you feel in the moment on top. Jazz is life, life is jazz. You got a job, you got a mortgage, you got a house, you got a family, you got the base. You got all the underlying things that other people have. But in order to keep it going, in order to keep this life thing interesting, you still got to always improv. You know, what happens when you got your set amount that you make every two weeks and then something comes, a bill comes, or an expense come out, comes from out of nowhere. What do you do? You improv. That's what you do. You improv. Just like jazz. You improv. They were talking about that in the, in the, in the film. You know? You, you, you've been down, your pants get split, you gotta improvise. Sometimes you gotta go back where you don't wanna go. He had to go back to his mom's crib. He didn't wanna go back to, her, to, to see his mom before the show so she could fuck up his energy. But he had to improv. We all gotta improv in life. That's why jazz is life, life is jazz. Which made me think of a point. So I, I made a post earlier this week where I was talking about um, funk music. I was talking about music and how, like, y'all know how it is. First of all, like jazz is black improvisational music. All American music is black. Let's just tell the truth. Let's just tell the truth. Shame the devil. All of it's black. But when it comes to some forms of music, it's a little bit blacker than others. 
<laughs> Let me say it again. When it comes to some music, it's a little bit blacker than others. Specifically, the funk. Funk is also American improvisational music. And I thought about this because if you notice, the white historians, they'll elevate blues, they'll elevate jazz, they'll elevate rock and roll. They'll elevate the forms of music that they can somewhat copy. They never could do it as good as we did, but they can copy it somewhat. One form they could not copy and can't imitate and can't fuck with is funk. I think I'm going to eventually do a documentary on the funk. No, I think I am going to do a documentary. I think my first documentary I do will be on the funk. Because it's the underlying music of today's sound. The funk started with this man right here, James Brown. You write Deep Impressions, we about to have gospel on this Sunday morning. We about to go to church. We about to go to church. It starts here with my man James Brown. James Brown said you got to make it funky. And so he laid the ground rules for this genre of music we call funk. He said, Boozy, you can play whatever you want to play. Just make sure you land back on the one. That's the only thing. Do what you want to do. Just land back on the one. That has a very deep meaning, going back to the one, because one is the number of unison. It's the number of unity. It's the zero point. It's the point where all things are together. All things come together. All numbers have one in them, but one is one by itself, one on its own. I don't think James Brown thought of this deep esoteric meaning. He just was going with the feeling. Like jazz funk is a feeling. You gotta feel it. You can't teach it. You can't fake it. But at the same time, you gotta be skilled enough to improvise around it. On top of it, under it. But always come back to the one. Where all things come together. We got to give credit to people like James Brown. We gotta give credit for what that he did to change music. And we also gotta give credit to this brother right here. Oh man, y'all not let me put this picture up? Let me try this picture. Let me try this picture. Gots to give it up to this man in the background right here, William Bootsy Collins. Bootsy Collins learned the funk from James Brown. 
and he took it to Parliament Funkadelic and taught George Clinton what it was like to land on the one, to improvise. We gotta give more credit to this genre of music because we can guarantee you them white folks won't. Those other forms of music, they can play. But they can't play this. This is black music. We as black people, we gotta start celebrating our shit more. Cause when we don't celebrate our shit, they tell a story. I was watching that that, that series on on Encore, on um, Cinemax, The Funk Bucks. They had all these great artists, Bootsy Collins, talking about Rick James, talking about Parliament. And all they could talk about was the fucking drugs. It's like they had to attribute our greatness to drugs. They couldn't just say, hey, look, these niggas is great. And we gave them some drugs and the drugs kind of were fucked up what they was doing. They couldn't do that. They had to give all, all praises and all credit to the drugs instead of the guys themselves. Because the reason why I want, we got to give credit to this generation of music is because this is the direct connection to hip hop. The foundation of hip hop is the funk. G-Funk, the music behind it. Because when you give hip hop its proper connection in the lineage of black American music, you can't have these these people like Busta, Busta Rhymes, and I love Busta Rhymes, but, but no, you can't, no, this isn't dance hall. No, nigga, no. You can't have these, these Latinos for Trump trying to say hip hop is a Latin form of music. No. Hip hop didn't come from dance hall. Hip hop didn't come from no motherfucking Calypso. Hip hop came from Booty Collins, nigga. Rip Doom. You're right, Mega. And Rip Ozone also. You know what I mean? Soul music is black music. Black music is American music. I talk a lot about music because music, we can find our history in all areas of activity here in America. We can find our music, our history through science, through engineering. We can find that black people are the basis of all of this shit, masonry, uh, the laws going back to the Iroquois Confederacy being the the groundwork for the United States Constitution. We can find the imprint of blackness all over this country. But the most obvious imprint, the one that's on the highest, most surface level that makes it easiest to discuss is, is through the music. The soundtrack is what makes a movie a movie. Can you have a movie without a soundtrack? Can there be a dramatic scene without some music playing underneath it? Can that happen? Can anything happen in life without the tune of music coming alongside of it? No. So it's up to us to know our music history, to know what music is and what music does to us. Yeah, Calypso is black. It's Caribbean black. And I want to give credit to the brothers out of the Caribbean that it, that came up with the Calypso sound. As a black man from the United States, I'm not going to amalgamate the Caribbean sound and say just because they're black that we created it. 
No, we did not create Calypso music in the North in, in North America. The brothers down in the Caribbean created Calypso music and combined it with their African heritage and their new Caribbean roots. That's their sound. And I want to give love and respect to the brothers in the Caribbean that created the Calypso sound. I want to give love and respect to the brothers in Jamaica that created the reggae sound. I want to give love and respect to the brothers in Brazil who created the Brazilian sound, which I love so much. All these sounds are great. Yes, and it was brothers in Mexico that created the mariachi sound. I want to give salute and love to everyone who's created the different sounds that we call music. But when it comes to this sound here, when it comes to hip hop, when it comes to jazz, blues, bluegrass, country, folk, rock, pop, R&B, ragtime, that shit's ours here exclusively. Not saying other brothers and sisters didn't help add leaves and branches to the tree. Sure they have. But the tree, the, the stock, the stump, and the roots comes from the slave plantations then to the cities, ghettos of North America. Jazz comes from the ghettos of New Orleans. Kansas City. R&B comes from the ghettos of Ohio, New York, Philadelphia. Funk comes from the ghettos of Ohio, Los Angeles, Detroit. Bluegrass comes from the country and the Appalachian. They, they, they took it into the Appalachians, but it, it don't come from the Appalachians. It actually comes from down below the Appalachians in the Virginia, North Carolina area that brothers were singing, that those white boys who eventually moved up into the Appalachians took and turned them into what we now call bluegrass. Country music comes from the plantations of Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee. That's our shit. You're right, y'all even created techno in Detroit. Dance music. Chicago's big on that. Detroit, Chicago, y'all big on that shit. Go-Go down in D.C. Yeah, Deep Impressions, we can say that basketball, as we know it today, as a sport, as a certain rhythm. Basketball is jazz. Dr. Craig Abdul-Jabbar breaks that down. If you want to know, if you want to understand basketball, turn them fucking announcers off and listen to jazz music while they playing. Jazz and basketball have a rhythm. Very improvisational and structured at the same time. Very, very much so. Said, what's the history behind the Grand Ole Opry? I don't know too much of the history behind the Grand Ole Opry itself. Um, 
but I know that the music that the Grand Ole Opry takes, country music is black music, that white boys in Nashville heard and started to imitate. But when it comes to the funk, they can't do it. They can't. They can't do it. That's why they forget about it. That's why they try to act like funk didn't exist. That's why they'll tell you about disco. That's why they'll tell you about all these other forms of music, but they will act as if the funk sound never existed. They do that because they can't do it. So it's us to us as a people to make sure that funk is always in the conversation. As a matter of fact, to make sure that it's always leading the conversation. This picture right here, Bootsy Collins, Rick James, and James Brown. Man, shit. You got to do it. Funk is in the blood. I'm telling you right, because as a drummer. Oh, I will be having some drummer sample packs coming out soon. I will be. I'm getting back in the studio to record sample packs because I'm a funk drummer. I don't just talk about it, I be about it. So I'm about to lay down some funk sample packs for all you budding musicians out there who want to put together some music and you want it to sound funky. Yeah, I'ma have that. I'ma have the drum track with me because the drums are the foundation of funk, the heartbeat. The drums and the bass. See, other forms of music, they have these other, you know, they, they have the singers, the most important. The the these are these beautiful elaborate or elaborate arrangements. Funk is bass and drums, drums and bass. The bass is the lead instrument of the funk, just like it is with hip hop. Like now, hip hop you hear the, now in hip hop the 808's the main thing. Where they get that from? These niggas on stage here, Bootsy Collins, Larry Graham. Do y'all know Larry Graham is Drake's uncle? Slap bass? Inventor of slap bass? Slide of Family Stone? Rusty Allen on bass? If you want me to stay. Y'all know if you want me to stay by Slide of Family Stone. That's Rusty Allen on bass. That's hip-hop. Because black people, one thing about us, I appreciate the cash app. Appreciate the cash app. For black people, we, the thing about funk music is, to make what makes it different than other forms of music, other forms of music is about the sound. Like, you, you got, it's about hitting the note being in time, even with jazz. If you hit the note, if you're in time, you can make it sound good. Well, funk, you can have everything technically right. You could be, the sound can be good, you can, all the notes can be good, the timing can be right. Well, funk ain't about that. It's about the space between the notes. It's slow, it's 
about it's about the feeling. Kind of gotta feel it out, and that's how black people move. When we dance, black music is about the feel. When black people dance, they feel the space. We feel it. White folks music, you gotta play that shit fast, cause they can't feel shit. They gotta be on point. That's why they always speeding shit up. They can't just take a goddamn Michael Jackson song for what it is. They gotta double the speed so they can bounce up and down like a pogo stick. Cause they can't feel shit. That's what make funk's ours. That's why these other groups can't imitate it. Because they can learn all the technical shit. But you can't learn the way, you can't learn how to feel a song through. You can't learn how to let a song breathe through the space and the openness within your improvisation. Either you got that shit or you don't. Either you got that shit or you don't. And that's why these other groups always want to criticize us. They always talking shit about us. They talking shit about us because they don't they don't get it. And what do you do with things you don't understand? You criticize. You demonize. You make them feel less than. You make them feel awkward. You make them feel weird. That's what you do when you're envious of the people. And bro, why am I bringing this all up? Why am I tying the movie soul to soul music to punk to hip hop? Why am I doing this? Because we gotta stamp our mark. We gotta tell our own stories. We gotta tell it like it is. We can't leave it up to these people. We gotta pass down the information. We gotta break down what's being put because one thing the one thing that happens, one thing about life, one thing about life, you know, these movies that we see out here, these movies tell stories. These movies give information. They really do. These movies talk some real shit. There's a lot of meaning in these movies. It's on us to decode and see. Because one thing about that thug Walt Disney, yeah, he's a thug, yes, he ain't shit. But whether you watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or The Lion King or the movie Soul, their life-affirming messages within them. And that's our connection to movies. That's our connection to music. They put the truth in the movies and the BS on TV. <laughs> Great point. So, yeah, that's basically what I wanted to get to with my soul movie review. I'm going to open it up to the chat room. What y'all got to say? What's on y'all mind in the chat room? What's on y'all mind in the chat room? Any questions? 
any questions in the chat room. We're gonna talk about this. Can't be on here too much longer. I got, I got a, I got a comedy show later on at a secret location. I'm not gonna mention where it is. But yeah, I got a comedy show a little later on where I'm getting on stage. I can't mention where it is because you know what we're going under, what we're going through right now. But it's already sold out from what I hear. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I'm reading the thing. They're telling me to wear a face mask. I'm telling y'all right now. I am not about to tell jokes with a face mask. I may wear a motherfucker to walk up in there, but I am not about to tell jokes with nobody with no face mask. Y'all kiss my motherfucker ass right now. Uh, I said, Gamer Team asked me, which animated movies do I hate? Well, I'm telling you right now, I'm not a big movie watcher. I don't like, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of Disney movies. It's, it's gaming them, but I kind of hate, as a kid, I didn't watch none of them Disney movies. That was like I didn't like I didn't like none of that shit as a kid. I still really don't. I'm not a big I was more of a Warner Brothers guy. I kinda like I get into movies that, that, that I can see have a mean that that are saying something. But yeah, I don't really watch movies like that. I, I especially in Disney movies. I'm not a big fan of nothing Disney. But you know, should I go back and I probably should go back and watch some of those movies to get the to decode and get the messages out. But overall, I'm not a big I'm not a big movie buff at all. I'm more of an information guy, so I'm not one to ask you know which movies are great, which ones aren't. I kind of take movie. I may I may watch four or five movies a year, new movies a year. I don't watch that many new movies, but when I do watch a movie, it's usually because my internal compass is telling me to watch it, and then when my internal compass tells me to watch something usually there's something within that for me. That's kind of how I get down. I don't really spend a lot of my time outside of that watching movies. Part of it is my first major in college was film. My first year and a half in college, I was a film major. And once you learn how to break down movies and break down films, movies and TV is not interesting anymore. Like most movies to me just aren't interesting. Like that was a blessing and a curse taking a year and a half of film school because the blessing is you kind of get to see you get to see what movies are you get to learn how to break them down you get to decode them you get to learn all that shit the downside is learning how to decode movies breaking things down the blessing is the curse because now before that I could enjoy movies now I can't really enjoy movies my mind is always picking up what's going on I don't really enjoy too many movies so yeah, I don't. I'm not the best source of what movies aren't good because to me most movies suck. But every now and again, you get a good one that got some good messages, and then I'll watch that one. Um, let's see. I don't really watch. Let's see here. Is <laughs> it the virus done killed the comedy vibe? Yeah, it has. Which animated movies do I hate? I don't, like I said, I don't hate. I try not to, I don't really know. I can't tell you which animated movies I hate because I don't watch that many animated movies. Like, I'll just see them and kind of keep pushing. I 
And my wife was watching Frozen the other day, and I sat in and watched 20 minutes of it, and I saw some dope messages in that, you know. But I can't say I hate any movie because I haven't sat down long enough to watch any movie to hate it. If I don't like a movie three minutes into it, I'm done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch the next hour and a half to even develop develop the emotion to hate the movie. Let me see. Mickey Knock asks, "What do you, What are you thinking about black people? Foundation of black people boycotting taxes? Shit! You, you I ain't boycotting no goddamn taxes. Let me tell you that right now. I'm not about to go to jail. Yes, I understand the IRS." isn't an official agency. Yes, I understand that, you know, taxes are created and the Federal Reserve is tied to England and all that shit. But hell no, I ain't boycotting taxes. I ain't going to jail. <laughs> you boycott. Ronald Isley tried that shit. You saw what happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, Boss Griller. My son's watching you with me. I appreciate that. Shouts out to your son. I want y'all to know that. Um, I appreciate you watching this with your children, and you know, and excusing the language, because yeah, I, you know, I do talk uh, very openly. But I, shit, hell, I talk openly like this with the kids that I work with. Because one thing I believe about children, one thing I not believe, I don't believe this. I know this. One thing I know about children is children are smart as hell. Children are so smart. Children have everything they need. Only thing children need from us is guidance. Everything else, they can figure it out. They need, they need guidance. They need our help breaking things down sometimes. But you know what I mean. You don't want to make. You don't want to expose children to anything like explicit. You know, you're not. You know, it's, it's things that are explicit. Too super explicit. You kind of want to wait till they get older. But when it comes to information. They can play past a few cuss words here and there to get the game. Yes, they can. I promise you. Because children are smart. Very smart. And nothing I know about children. Children learn better when you make it plain. Children know when you BSing around and when you talking around them. And they don't respect it. They don't respect it. I find children learn best when you make it plain. Tell them how it is. But you're right. Bosco said, "Red Fox boy, boycotted taxes." You right about that. Wesley Snipes, all of them—they all boycotted taxes. Here's why I say: If you want to boycott taxes, you be the leader of that movement, and I'll see how it works out for you. And if it works out for you, then maybe I'll I'll, I'll come and join in later. But I ain't leading that movement at all. Matter of fact, I ain't leading shit. I'm just here to point people in a certain direction and to drop game and give information. And you do it, do with it however you feel you need to do with it. That's where I am with it. With any of this stuff. Um, yeah, David Lee, I got an underground comedy show coming up. Yes, I do. And I'm not giving out the address. I'm not saying where it is or what it's about. Because I want to crack these jokes, get my money, and get the hell on out of there. Um, but yeah, when it comes to going back to the, to the, to the movie soul, um, soul, 
soul is soul is who we are as a people. That's why they call it soul music. It's in your soul. One thing I did not like, I saw how one of the images I didn't like. I'm gonna talk about some of the images I didn't like in the movie. I didn't like, you know, the fact that and at the part when he was teaching the movie, when he was teaching in the movie, like you saw the black kids kind of disinterested and you have a non-black kid over here playing the trombone and doing this improv and getting lost in the music. And I'm gonna tell you why I didn't like that scene, that part, that they chose a non-black character for that. Because again, it's our music. And I do not hold apologies into having other people be the face of our music. So as a, if I'm a black parent, if I'm explaining this to a black child, this movie, I'm saying, that's really you. In order for these movies to get made by Disney, they gotta throw in these other people because they always wanna water down our stuff. Whenever there's messages in our stuff, they like to put people, other people's faces on our stuff because they're very jealous and envious and they hate the fact that when it comes to our stuff, they refuse to have it just be only us. They gotta put their faces on our shit. So they had to put another face in order for the movie to get made on something that we do. But when it comes down to getting lost in the music, when it comes down to improving, when it comes down to that stuff, that's gonna come from one of us. If it came from one of them, then they would have invented it. And I don't, I'm not racist towards anybody. I'm not against anybody. I'm all for everybody being a part of what we do. But I am not for anybody else being the face of what we do. Hell no. Fuck that. Excuse my language. I hold no apologies. When it comes to black music, I want black people to always be the face of it. No exceptions. None. Damn. Benjamin Banneker helped design the country. Literally designed Philadelphia. He literally designed Washington, D.C. He literally gave this country the Farmer's Almanac because in the late 1870s, the country, 17, uh, 1774, those years, the country was going hungry because the calendar was thrown off, because calendar reform didn't take into account the leap year. So the crops weren't growing. So what did Benjamin Banneker do? He created the Farmer's Almanac which then allowed these people to predict weather patterns and tell them when to plant their seeds, which made this country live again. But when they talk about the, the construction of the United States, do you ever see Benjamin Banneker's name mentioned? No. They talk about Ben Franklin, but do they ever tell you that when they say Ben Franklin, came up with the Constitution. Do they ever tell you that Ben Franklin was over there with the Iroquois in their meetings, studying their shit, stealing their shit? 
Do they tell you Benjamin Banneker was a master mason? Who built Washington, D.C. in alignment with the constellation Virgo? Do they tell you that? When they talk about the Civil War and the Union beating the Confederacy, do they tell you that the Union was losing the war, getting their ass whooped until December 1862 when they allowed black people to come and fight for the Union, which turned the tide of the Civil War to favor the North? Do they tell you Robert Smalls escaped slavery, stole a motherfucking ship for the Union, and then after he did that, went to Abraham Lincoln and convinced Abraham Lincoln to allow black people into the Union Army, and then he went ahead and recruited 5,000 Union soldiers for by himself? Do they tell you that? Do they tell you Robert Smalls bought his slave master's house that he was born a slave in and lived in that hole until the day he died. Do they tell you that? Do they tell you that black people built the railroads? Do they tell you that black Americans built the bridges, built the, the capitals, built all these things? Do they tell you about any of these black people that helped construct the United States of America? Hell no. So why the fuck is it okay that we allow these other people to be told in our story? Some shit that we built on our own without any of these people's help. I'm not cool with other people being having a face in our shit because they ain't fair. The people in Japan don't tell you that black people built they shit, that it's pyramids off the coast of Japan right now with big black ass faces? The people in China don't tell you about them niggas that brought the Mantu arts to China, renamed the martial arts. Do they tell you that shit? Do they tell you that ancient Mesopotamia, ancient Syria, that all these things that they say happened first in the Middle East, do they tell you that those were colonies of Egypt and Africa? Those were colonies of Kush. Whenever they put up all that architecture in the quote unquote Middle East, Mesopotamia, Baghdad, I was current day Iraq and Iran, they got you thinking it's these light skinned stringy haired motherfuckers that built that. They don't tell you that those lands were built under the guidance and direction of Kush and Nubia? That those were colonies? That was considered North Africa? And it was the Chemites who built that shit for them? They don't tell you that. Do they tell you that in ancient Italy, or quote unquote Rome, was built by the Etruscans? Put up a picture of the Etruscans. These niggas look like Andre 3000. They don't tell you the black that. They don't tell you about John Henson. They always leave us out. We can go down, we can take this shit to the Caribbean, to Mexico. They don't tell you about Gaspar Yanga freeing Mexico from Spain. 
No. They don't tell you the Aztecs were built, was built on the Aztecs, Incas, and Mayans were all black people. Omec. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you King Montezuma was black. Do they? Nobody, like John Henry Clark says, as a matter of fact, I want to send a birthday shout out to John Henry Clark, January 1st, 1915, to Dr. Ben, December 31st, to Sheikh Etta Diop, December 28th, to Chancellor Williams, December 22nd. Shouts out to our master scholars. John Henry Clark told us, you're right, uh, some chick named Star, Vicente Guerrero, president of Mexico, that freed slavery. John Henry Clark tells us we have no friends. I encourage anybody who hasn't seen that video, go look it up. Go Google it right now. YouTube it right now. Right now, it's only 36 minutes long. Dr. John Henry Clark, we have no friends. Look it up. Look up Dr. Ben's Black Man Wake Up. Type in Dr. Ben Yosef Jacqueline. You can't spell it. Just type in Dr. Ben, Black Man Wake Up. Nobody plays fair with us. You're right. Thank you, Star. Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, January 2nd was the day she passed. 2016. You right about that. Africa, Nubia spread into from West Africa to Indonesia. Hell, talk about the Moorish Empire. It wasn't just Spain and Morocco. God damn it, it was a California too. That's why California landed the Queen Khalifa. Because the Moors was running this shit. That's an Arabic name. Look up George Washington's letters to C.D. Muhammad. 1789. Him kissing the Moroccan emperor's ass. C.D. Muhammad looked like goddamn Larry Goodwill. Yeah, yeah, both going watch these videos. Nobody plays fair with us as black people. Nobody, nobody, nobody plays fair with us. Nobody plays fair. Nobody plays fair with us. So saying that we are going to claim what's ours is only the right thing to do. That is playing fair. Claiming what's yours is fair. Let me say that one more time. Claiming what is yours is fair. Soul music is ours. Having issues with people being on our shit that didn't create our shit is perfectly fine. It inbounds. Why? 
because they will never put a black person on the face of their shit, even though it was probably a black person that invented it. So why should black children always feel like secondary citizens? Because every time a black child turns on a TV show, the black person is off in the corner doing something. There's somebody's assistance, somebody's help. Everybody doing something great is of a different hue. And while the black kids, while the black person is off doing some degenerate nonsense or doing something uninspired that no one wants to emulate. Black children got to see these images fed to them daily on every TV commercial, every cartoon, every movie, every TV show, every ad. It's a constant barrage of black people being played to the side. Black people being seen as secondary, if we're seen at all. Because a lot of times they don't even show us. Then when they finally want to show us, they have they they're showing us off onto the side while the people who don't look like us are doing they're having all the fun. They're creating all the dope, have all the dope ideas, they're making all the dope things happen, they're making things move, they're making shit go. But the black kid got to get played to the side to appease these other groups that wouldn't piss on us if we were on fire. That's either true or untrue. That's what I wanted to say when it comes to this. It's great. I salute Disney for making the movie. And I understand they got, they're going to throw these other images in there because other people feel hella insecure when things are only black. Other groups get very insecure when things are only black. But it's 2021. It's time that black people stop giving a fuck. Twenty twenty one is a year of being who you are and not appeasing people who ain't gonna like your black ass anyway. Oh, Breaking Brown said I I didn't watch Breaking Brown's broadcast because I'm blocked on that channel. But I don't even wanna say that. They say you black musicians and give you something. They didn't give us something else. They didn't give us something else. They gave us black musicians. I wish it was all black. They maybe give us look. We had Quest Love on the drums. That's a nigga. A black foundational black American man. You don't get no more foundational black American than Angela Bassett. And you don't get no more foundational than Jamie Foxx. Even though Jamie Foxx likes smashing all them other chicks. He, he, he don't want a foundational black American woman, but that's something different. It's our music. It was played by us. It was our story. It was just, you know, peppered and flowered with them others. So, I don't, you know, I get it. I understand why they did that. I get it. I get it. If I got to see some others get peppered in to tell the overall story, then I'll take that. I'll take that. Until we can make it our own. 
They gave a white woman inside. Check, check, look. They, he said, I'm, I'm glad you're making these comments because sometimes we can, you know, disregard the message over, over some minor details on top. They gave a white woman inside a black man. Well, you know, we didn't know she was white. And they made a really good explanation. We, what we knew, we knew was Tina Fey's voice. But if you go back and when you and when when Joe asked twenty two white, talk about that. Twenty two says something very important. I can basically talk and do it any way I want to do it. I just choose to be that way, and that's very true. When we come into this earth, we really are like a blank slate in some ways, as far as how we choose to talk, how we choose to interact, and those things come down to our environment mostly. We talk and act and display ourselves a lot depending on the environment that we're in. Um, yeah, they have the black woman in there, but the white woman playing that part, but both characters are blue and there were still messages within that. I wasn't too mad at Tina Fey playing that part. I really wasn't. That didn't bother me one bit. Tina Fey playing 22. And actually, I think it worked having Tina play because the white girl's voice is very annoying. Who better to have an annoying ass voice than have a white girl playing it? I didn't have an issue with that. Yeah, so yeah, my, my, my take is pragmatic because I'm already understanding. Look, we live in a system of white supremacy. In a, in a system of white supremacy, they're going to insert themselves. Now, it's up to us to to voice it and to vocalize it and to tell the children what real what the real is. Yeah, they're going to put that in, but that's why us as adults, parents, mentors, uncles, aunts, grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins, brothers and sisters, to debrief that stuff on our own. That's up to that's us. That's up to us to debrief. And here at Hotepish, we are debriefing. And thank you for those who do have your children listening. Because this is debriefing what was put on camera. Because look, like I said before, black children are smart. Black people are smart. Let them do what they want to do. We break it down, then we debrief. Once we de- debrief it, we see the chest move for what it is, then we move the fuck on and keep pushing. Oh yeah, I'm glad. Deep impressions. You're right. If it was Amy Schumer, I, I wouldn't have been happy. Yeah, we should be happy. It wasn't Amy Schumer, and that's just one unfunny ass. At least Tina Fey funny. Tina Fey funny as hell when she was doing that Sarah Palin impersonation on Saturday Night Live back in 2008. That was some of the funniest shit ever. Go back and watch Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. Oh my God, she killed that shit. <laughs> Tina Fey killed it. She funny as hell. It was Amy Schumer or other thing. Amy Schumer is shaped like a 40 ounce. I don't fuck with her. Regina King does have a great animation voice. She would have been good for it. You're right about that, the Al Show. So long as one knows their history and culture, we'll be good. Look, they gonna play them fucking games. L- let them play their dumbass games. And my Prince Hakeem voice. Let them play them. 
They're going to play their games. It's up to us to debrief and break it down. But yeah, I've been on this motherfucker for two hours. I'm about to get up out of here. I got to chill for a little bit before I go tell these jokes. So I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening. Remember, go to hotepish.com slash apparel to get your shit. I want to thank Butter Love in the chat room. She just put up a dope-ass Instagram post with these shirts. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you, Star, for buying. Thank you, everybody. Hotepish.com. Get the OG. And also, get the hoodie. It's cold as fuck, man. These hoodies are warm. Get one. Get one. And I'm going to have my Dr. King shirt. I have a new Dr. King shirt I'm working on because, again, I told you before, Martin Luther King week, I will do a two, maybe three-part breakdown depending on how far getting those first two on who the real Dr. King is. The Martin Luther King that woke up from his dream. Because as you know, the propagandists, they're going to be out there spinning the Dr. King story. SMO, we all need to come together. You see the LGBTQ folks trying to take Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy and act as if he spoke for them. We can't let that happen. So how do we not let that happen? We don't let that happen by, by telling the real for ourselves. We got to tell a story. I'm going to be here telling the story on the real Dr. King. So I want you guys to get ready for that. Before then, we're going to have some other interesting dope shows coming up. Um, we got some other dope shit coming up. I don't want to announce because every time I sing, I'll announce somebody. The fucking show falls through. So I just wanna, y'all just going to see them, see them, my guests when they pop up. But yeah, I, I am announcing the Dr. King series because the real story of Dr. King has to be told and it has to be told through us. Because there's a lot of empowerment in Dr. King. Um, the white supremacists have purposely taking the power within all of the things that he said and did out. So to get us thinking that he's just the street and some old we shall overcome ass nigga. And he was much, 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 much more than that. Much deeper than that. Much more complex and much more B1. Black first. Then they try to tell us. So, yeah, we have all that shit coming up. Um, I want to thank y'all again for, 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 for joining the, the chat room and for being here. And remember this, there are no perfect messengers, only perfect messages for those who wouldn't get the information. So wasn't the perfect messenger, but there were a fuck ton of perfect messages within the film. Watch it. Watch it twice. Break it down. Talk to your kids about it. Explain it. Have a good conversation. Love on one another. Love each other. And for most of all, love your motherfucking self. My name is Dewan B. I'm out. <laughs>